Hi, friends. Welcome to the Faithful Podcast, stories of people who walked by faith and gained a fuller understanding of the faithfulness of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Baker. This is part one of my interview with Abby Campman. We talk about the loss of her mother and sisters early in life and how she has recently seen God working in a way that only He can. And remember, if this episode is a blessing to you, please leave a rating and a review so others can be blessed by it. Now let's check out part one of my interview with Abby. Hey, Abby, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to um, have what have you share what God has done in your life and through some really difficult stuff. But before we get started with that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I am a wife and mother, um, live in Iowa, uh, outside Des Moines. Yeah. Um, we have five. Five sons, <laughs> wow. um, ages 10, 8, 6, 4, and 1. Oh, my goodness. Um, and uh, been married for 14 years to my husband. Um, and, yeah, I used to be a school teacher, but now I, I stay at home with my boys. And it's chaos all the time, but it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, is it pretty cold in Iowa right now? I'm imagining it sounds like a pretty cold place. You know, it was this week, and it's actually in the 40s today. So it feels like a heat wave, actually. Oh, <laughs> 40s is a heat wave. Oh, I'm in Houston, and um, it is probably warm enough outside that you could go swimming. So it's... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's it's in the 70s, I believe, today. So sorry. That's... Oh, um, my. Yeah. That's... I can't even imagine that right now. <laughs> Don't worry. You'll be much more comfortable during the summer when we're all dying and just staying inside. So, <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. So, Abby, I heard about your story through a podcast and um, through a fl- uh, friend's blog, and I was just immediately drawn in. Um, I really think it's a powerful story, and I know that it's something that's going to be important for so many people to hear. Um, so, yeah, just maybe start by telling us a little bit about your childhood and um, we'll kind of go from there. Sure. So um, I was a child of teenage parents. Um, My mom and dad met in high school and uh, got pregnant pretty quickly after. Um, So my mom had me at 19 and they got married right away, um, but were very young and uh, my mom was still kind of in the um, teenage years of, of drinking and partying and all of those things. So um, didn't she didn't really stop that once they got married. My dad thought maybe maybe she would and they, we, they'd settle down and be a family. My dad um, had an alcoholic father, so he he wanted to, to change that um, for his own children. And right. um, however, my mom kind of didn't didn't really do that. She, um, she continued to drink and my dad was a little bit dismayed about that. And and so they ended up divorcing, but we're still really good friends. And, um, my dad is incredible. He would come visit me every other weekend. I lived with my mom Mm. and, um, at the time she was just kind of a social drinker, but, um, 
there was a lot more going on underneath the surface than her family or even my dad knew. I think she was, she was hiding alcohol and, um, it just started to become a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, my dad, if he knew as, as big of a problem as it was, he probably would have maybe fought more for custody, but he didn't realize it. And so at the age of three, I I knew the difference between Bud Light and Miller Light. I could get that Mm. for her from the fridge and, um, kind of, that was just, it was just normal for me to know kind of how much she had been drinking. And it didn't really seem like something odd to me because that was, that was my normal in childhood. And, Mm um, so after a couple years, uh, she ended up meeting another guy and, um, they got married and he, a great man, uh, my stepfather, Chris, <clears throat> and they also met through just um, partying and things like that. And just like my dad, Chris thought, okay, she's a social drinker. Like, you know, once we get married, maybe that'll kind of tame out and we'll have, we'll have a good family um, structure. And unfortunately it just continued. And um, Chris t- kind of took the brunt of that. He held on. And, um, as mom continued to spiral downward, um, he just, he remained faithful, hoping that she would change. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had two children together. My, my half sisters are, um, Amanda who was born when I was seven and Samantha who was born when I was nine. Um, and I still lived with them and I still saw my dad every other weekend. And my dad Still had no idea, um, kind of the depths of what she was, she, you know, she was experiencing and we were all experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't really know anything different, so I didn't know to tell my dad. Um, but unfortunately, um, around when I was in fifth grade, my mom started to get into some, um, drugs and things like that. Um, and just, it, it, it got worse and worse, um, to the point where she wouldn't come home for days on end. And we didn't know where she was. We realized later she was, uh, selling her body for meth and cocaine and things like that. Um, and so when it got to that point, um, my, my stepfather talked to my grandfather, my mom's father, and just said, we need to get her in treatment. We need to try to do something. And so she was in and out of treatment centers. Um, but because it was never her choice, um, it didn't really stick. And I think the problem with that is she met people in those treatment centers that struggled just like her. And so mm. when they all came out, they were friends and it, it, it kind of, allowed her friendships that maybe weren't the best. Um, and so she continued to go back to that lifestyle. Um, and in about, uh, after seventh grade, um, well, I'll back up for a minute. So, um, it got to, to a point in sixth grade and I was in sixth grade where I realized it was, this was not normal. I had started to stay at some people's houses and see how families kind of operate and obviously mm-hmm. TV shows and things like that. And, just realized like this, this isn't what, you know, most people have to experience. And, um, right. so honestly I began to pray and I, I did not have any concept of God. I mean, we did not go to church. Um, 
I had not really ever been to a church before. And I just truly felt like, um, honestly, at peace when I pray. Mm -hmm. And so um, one night when she didn't come home, and it was just really scary. And she stumbled in really late, and her and my stepdad were fighting. And um, I just remember kind of putting the pillow over my head and praying, like, God, I someday I want to have a happy family. I want to um, be free from fear that what's going to happen to her. And and then I said, Lord, can I just really have a window seat? So like in my room, I really want a window seat. Like, <laughs> it was just such a funny childhood prayer, like two really serious things. And then some, you know, just completely off the wall. Like I, love I, that. I would really like a window seat. That's so it was, it was just kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so yeah, she continued to spiral out of control. And um, at one point in seventh grade, my stepdad called my father and said, you know, here's what's going on. It's been going on for years and it needs to stop. And I don't think Abby's safe here anymore. Mm. Um, so he said, I think she needs to come live with you and, and I'm going to separate from from Lauren because she's no longer, I just don't trust that she's going to be safe with the girls, my sisters. And, um, and that was really hard for him to do. Mm -hmm. He, he loved my mom, but he just, he, he didn't feel like it was safe for us anymore. And so, um, I moved in with my dad, uh, beginning of eighth grade and that was, it was good. It was a good transition, but it was really hard. Um, my dad had remarried also and my stepmom's wonderful and it was it was a very safe place but um i was still concerned for my mom it, she now had nobody she was on her own and um she ended up kind of meeting a guy that wasn't um wasn't a good influence and also struggled just like her they met in treatment and um she moved in with him and <clears throat> I would go and visit her every other weekend or maybe even less frequently than that. But I just didn't feel like he was, he was a good person for her. Um, Mm. Never felt comfortable around him. Um, He never did anything to me or made me feel unsafe, but it just, he was a very heavy drinker and um, that, that I just knew that wasn't going to be a good situation. Um, But my stepdad had a rule um, kind of that if I was there, my sisters could be there because I was so much older than them that I kind of knew if my mom was safe to drive with them, if, um, I needed to call him and have him come pick us up, things like that. Um, and so that was, that was the rule. If I was, if, if I was there, they could be there. If I wasn't there, they could not be there. That's, that's um, so much like growing up for such a little kid. I, I mean, I just can't even imagine yeah. that. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at that point, no. Yeah. At that point, um, my stepdad and I had been through a lot of it together. And Mm -hmm. so, um, we had just kind of functioned, um, in that way for a lot of years. And, um, so yeah, I think back on it now and I'm like, man, that that's crazy. You know, I wouldn't put my own child in that situation, but, um, yeah. Hmm. So there was, um, Summer before ninth grade, I, I was supposed to go visit my mom, but I was asked to go uh, help kind of nanny for this family on their vacation. 
they had three little girls. And so I ended up taking that opportunity and, and going and, uh, with them to help nanny and told my mom, I wouldn't be there that weekend, but, um, she didn't tell my stepdad. And so my stepdad dropped my sisters off anyways, thinking I was coming. Mm. Um, and she wasn't honest with him, didn't say a word. And, um, so while I was in Missouri, um, she had the girls there. She spent the whole Saturday with them, taking them um, to different places. She drank during that time. Um, Todd, the man she was living with, had been drinking all day long. And that evening, uh, Todd had a work party that he wanted my mom and sisters to go to. And um, so they all got in the car, went to the party, drank a lot more there, um, got back into the car, completely mm. drunk. My mom and, and Todd were just, um, yeah, uh, completely drunk. And wow. he uh, was out in the country and he um, took the country road that kind of uh, it led right up to um, a highway. Uh, just not, there was no on-ramp. It was just a, a dirt road that led straight to the highway. And um, he took a left going north in a southbound lane of, of the highway, mm. uh, Highway 218, and drove for about five miles going the wrong direction, um, completely oblivious. He, he didn't even know it and nobody was buckled. Um, there was a man who saw Todd turn the wrong direction and tried to get his attention. He started driving alongside them, could see my sisters kind of bouncing around in the back seat and Mm. saw that Todd and mom were just staring straight ahead, not even uh, paying attention. And so he was flashing his lights and, and this was before kind of cell phones. It was 1999. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, uh, this man, Josh, pulled off the interstate to call 911. And when he pulled back onto the interstate, he came upon um, an awful, awful accident. And oh, gosh. Um, my mom, uh, Todd, who was driving, had crashed head on into another vehicle at 70, 75 miles an hour. Oh, my gosh. Um, Everyone in my mom's car died. My mom, um, my two sisters, Todd, and um, one man in the other vehicle um, died as well. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yep. It was awful. That, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard stories like that on the news, but, you know, sometimes you get kind of detached from it, and you feel like, oh, that's terrible for that family, but to actually experience that or to be on the end of that where you're, you know, those people and um, they're so dear to you. Like I, I just can't even imagine. So um, what, what was it like in those, those first couple of days or the early weeks after your family um, had passed away? Oh, it awful. It it was so awful. Um, And everything was a blur, but um, how old were you again? I'm sorry. How old were you at I that was time? Almost, almost 14, just okay. days before I was 14. Yeah. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. So just before ninth grade, it was June, mm-hmm. June, 1999. Um, and so I, I was, I said I was nannying and in mm-hmm. Missouri and um, I had only been there just a day and one night and I woke up Sunday would have been, let's see, no, Monday morning. Um, they died on Saturday night and I woke up on Monday morning Um 
And my, my dad had walked into my room and mm-hmm. I was just thrown off because like, why are, why are you here? You're not supposed to be here. Right. Um, but I saw the look on his face and, um, I knew I, I just, I don't, I had no doubt in my mind that my mom was dead. Um, oh my gosh. and I just said, mom's dead. Isn't she? Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, yeah, she is. Um, and honestly, that's something I had prepared my whole life for. I knew it was a possibility. So that's not really what hit me, um, mm-hmm. right away. But when I looked back up at my dad, I, he just, I saw that there was more, um, and sure enough, he said that that's not all. And then, then I realized that I had not told my stepdad I wouldn't be there. Um, and it, it just hit me, um, right then that, that my sisters were hurt too. I didn't think that they were, that they would have been gone or in, in any way, but my dad said, no, Amanda and Samantha there, they died too. Oh my gosh. Um, and that just leveled me. I mean, that was totally, uh, out of, it just blindsided me. I did not prepare myself for that at all. Um, so I think in the, in the weeks, um, and months after that, it just, that, that was heavy, heavy on my, my shoulders that I, it was my job to protect them. And I didn't, um, I could not do anything about my mom, but my sisters, that was my job and, and I had failed. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that I, I definitely fell into a deep depression. Um, I closed myself off. I, from my dad and stepmom, I just didn't, didn't really have a relationship with them. I, yeah. I was very introverted. I spent a lot of time in my room, um, kind of lost myself in, in school and sports and just, um, shut down quite honestly. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, obviously they're grieving too, but like, I just can't imagine grief mixed with this feeling of responsibility. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, and that, I'm sure nothing that they said really sunk in. I mean, I'm sure they tried their best no. to kind of help you through that time, but mm-hmm. man. Um, so yeah. What do you feel like was the hardest part of the experience? Was was it dealing with that, or was there any other parts that were really hard? I mean, I that was the hardest thing. I yeah. think was just losing them. Um, and oddly, you'd think that that would have been like the lowest moment was um, their deaths, but it was actually a couple years later when um, I grew up in Iowa and. That's where my whole, my family lived. Mm-hmm. Um, but my dad's job got transferred. He got transferred to, or he um, found a new job in Texas. And so okay. we moved the middle of my junior year of high school to to uh, New Braunfels, which is near mm-hmm. um, Austin, San Antonio area in between there. And right. I, that was, I, I was just in such a low place um, and had been for a couple years and then to move in the middle of my junior year to a completely different, um, place that, that was, that was a low point for me. Um, I remember walking into our new house and just sinking to the floor, just sobbing. I felt so lonely, so broken. I didn't know God, you know, I, I just felt like I had nothing left. Mm. Um, and honestly, that was God's grace. 
um, in that moment. What was so incredibly special was my dad said, Abby, we picked out your bedroom. Just go. It's right there. Go in your bedroom. Just make it your own. And I got up off the floor and walked to my bedroom and I hadn't seen it yet um, and opened the door and there was a window seat right there. Oh, um, oh and, and that just, it blew my mind because it immediately um, thrust me back to that prayer yeah. as a child. And um, and I, I immediately knew it was God. I just, I had no doubt in my mind. And at the time, my dad and stepmom and I were starting to go to church together. So I was more familiar with God. But um, just a few weeks after that, my dad kind of came into my bedroom and I had been spending a lot of time in there, just not being social at all. And he said, you know, I found a church. You're going to youth group. Get ready. I'm going to drop you off. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I'm not prepared for that, you know? Um, and he's like, just throw a sweatshirt on. I'm going to take you. And so I put my uh, Iowa Hawkeyes sweatshirt on, which is the the University of Iowa. Um, right. And I got to the church and my dad dropped me off and I was just terrified. I mean, absolutely <laughs> terrified. Um, I never met these people before and I'm an introvert by nature and just walking into that room, I was, I was like, I don't know what to do. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't, these people can't help me. They don't know what I've been through. And um, immediately a man across the room, big, tall guy saw me and um, saw my sweatshirt, Iowa on it. And he had a Nebraska sweatshirt, Nebraska Cornhuskers. And he's like, you're from the Midwest. And he came (laughs) right up to me and gave me the biggest hug. And he said, we're so glad you're here. Um, And I think that man was my youth pastor, Brian. Yeah. Um, And through him and his wife, Sarah, he he kind of connected me with her and she began to mentor me. Um, it was just, I, I came to Christ within a month of um, mm. just them pouring into me and really showing me um, who he is. And right. it, it was the best thing that could have ever happened. Yeah. That's, so. that's amazing. Um, just cur- out of curiosity with the window seat, did your dad know about that or was that? No, not at all. Oh my gosh. How cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, yeah. And what's even more incredible is that's where I started reading my Bible. So I would every night like sit in that window seat and have no idea what's going on in the Bible because I didn't grow up learning the scriptures, but I would just faithfully like, I'm like, what? I know I'm supposed to read this, so I'm going to read it. And so (laughs) I would sit there and read it. And, um, it, it was truly amazing. I mean, it, God totally used that, that silly request, you know, from a, a 12 year old or 11 year old that, um, and he answered that prayer and it was just, it's just neat. Oh, so, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so how do you feel like the loss of your mother and your sisters at, um, you know, you were so young. How do you feel like that transformed you forever? Yeah. Um, gosh, I think it, it's given me a lot of compassion, honestly, for people who are on the other side. Um, and when I say that, I mean, uh, you know, there's, there's obviously the, the family that lost. Um, so in the other car, a man who died was a young 
newlywed, he was on a fishing trip with his father-in-law and a family friend. And so, um, obviously my mom's car was at fault and, and they were drinking. And, um, when you hear about those kinds of accidents, you, you immediately think of, of, you know, the man who died in the other vehicle, like what, you know, like, you just think about them? You don't really think about the family of the person that caused it. Mm. Um, and so whenever I hear of, of news stories where, you know, maybe someone was at fault, I, I immediately think of the family that probably nobody's reaching out to, um, because they're, they're broken too, you know? Um, right. and so that's, that's something that has definitely, uh, I've taken away is just to be aware of all the different people in a situation that might be hurting, mm. um, and to reach out to, to those people. And, um, but also just, it, it's, it's been neat because I've, um, I've been able to, and this is, this is part of the, the redemptive part of the story is, um, I've reconnected with the man who drove alongside their car. Mm-hmm. Um, and his name is Josh. And then the, uh, widow of the man who died in the other vehicle, um, just recently, a couple of years ago, um, that's amazing. I, I have this crack. Oh, should I? Hmm? I thought you said something. I no, I just said okay. that's amazing. <laughs> no, that's oh, amazing. Thought, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so <clears throat> just a couple of years ago, I had this crash box that has all the stuff from the accident, the pictures and um, balloons at the the site, and um, there their obituaries and things like that. And it's all articles that were in the paper and um, it's all in this box and I keep it on the shelf in my basement. And every year on the anniversary, June 19th, I go and I take the box down and I open it up and I look at everything and I have a really good cry and then I put it back and I don't, I don't really think about it much. It's just my time to kind of process and and cry. And, um, Mm. and so just a couple of years ago, I mean, I've done that every year for 20 years now. Um, but a couple of years ago in, in 2017, I took it down and I was reading through the articles and honestly, I'd read through them so many times, but this particular time, three names just kept popping up in my head. And it was Josh, the good Samaritan man, we call him the good Samaritan who drove alongside their car. Right. Um, Carla, the widow of the man who died. Um, and this, uh, state trooper Steve, who investigated the accident, those three names kept popping up, and and it just dawned on me all of a sudden. I'm like, I could probably find them. Like, I have the <laughs> internet now. You know, I can Google or at least look and see if they're doing okay or who yeah. they are. Just put a face to a name. And my husband wasn't home. He was gone for work. I think that night, and my kids were in bed, and so I just kind of looked for them on the different social media outlets and. Mm-hmm. Oddly, within I, within a couple hours, I for sure found Carla and Steve. Uh, it took a couple more days to find Josh, but um, wow. I found them all. And just in a moment of, I, I don't even know why I did this, but I messaged them on Facebook. Um, just I <laughs> just out of it was just crazy. I don't know, um, thinking oh they might see it, but it might just go to a spam folder. They may never see it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> 
but I just, I felt like I needed to do that. I just wanted to see um, how they were doing. And it had been enough years that I, I, I thought it would be okay to, to reach out. Um, and I just said, you know, my name, my name is Abby. Um, my mom was caused this accident and, um, depending on who I was talking to, you know, I said, I'm really sorry, or can you give me more information like from the sheriff? And, Mm -hmm. um, literally within days, all, all of them had gotten back to me. Um, and all of them were so kind. I think that was just the first incredible thing was Carla was the first one to respond. And I thought she would be the one that might not respond. Um, right. But she immediately got back to me and said, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And she goes, can I call you? I want to call you. And, um, so she called me and we talked for over an hour on the phone and she's just Mm. amazing. So amazing. Um, and then I, I got in touch with the state trooper and, um, with Josh and started to build a relationship with them, um, just through email and, um, I didn't realize that that part of me, those, those parts that, you know, I, I couldn't heal what was broken for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't realize that each of them were still holding on to something that also wasn't healed. Right. Um, so what's neat about it is Carla, um, she, she's wonderful. She's a believer. She got remarried, not, not too long after, but, um, she said, wow. my new husband, my husband that I've been with now for quite some time, his birthday is the day of the crash. So a day that we used to mourn, we now celebrate. Oh, um, that. So that was, that was really neat to hear. Um, and then uh, Josh, the, the man who um, drove alongside their car, he, at the time of the crash, was only like 19, very young. It, it affected him so deeply and he was so burdened that he didn't, he couldn't save them, that he didn't save them, that he um, dropped out of college and joined, just got into the military mm. um, and just wanted to, to serve and to help people um, in that way. And so he was in the military for quite a few years and then got out of it, got married. And now he has two little boys of his own. And he said, every time I see them, you know, or when I spend time with them, I just think like, this is my second chance to, to, um, really pour into children that, you know, obviously I love and care about, but it's affected him even today. Um, and I got to actually meet him in person, um, not too long ago. And, he lives in Colorado near where we uh, vacation every other year. Actually, it's kind of crazy. That's incredible. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I got to to meet him and his wife and hug him. And we got to, to cry together and to chat for a long time. Um, and that was amazing. And then uh, Steve, the, the state trooper, um, just got to meet him this fall. Um, cool. And he came over to my house. Mm. And, uh, he's got such a cool story. So that was the first, um, major traffic fatality or, um, road fatality accident that he'd ever, he had, um, had to investigate. And he said for years and years and years, he would have nightmares of my sisters, um, 
just he'd wake up and and they would just be in his in his dreams and just that he didn't save them and he said after I started to have kids did they you know these dreams I, I just couldn't shake them uh, and he said I've had them for 20 years but when I reconnected with him just two years ago he said the dream stopped the nightmare stopped oh he didn't gosh. have them anymore um yeah oh gosh, that's so, like bringing tears to my eyes that's that's so awesome it's so bonker I mean it's God it's only God I know I can't um, I can't imagine like dealing with these nightmares forever. And then there's this part of healing that takes place that God does. And um, man, wow. I bet. Yeah. I just can't imagine the relief that would come from that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's wonderful. I mean, he came over, we talked for a long time and he, he also had, you know, was had tears just um, sharing what he knew and just what he remembered. And, um, yeah, so it was really special um, to reconnect with all of them and just to build build relationships with people, and we're all we're all bonded by this one date, this one experience. Um, but we've all kind of been able to heal from it um, as a whole, so it's been really great. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. So, um, what a blessing! I I just think that's so good. That um, I mean, obviously, God didn't want anything terrible to happen to your family. It was just, you know, bad decisions that were made and it was, um, you know, the broken world that we live in, but how kind mm -hmm. of God to, to bring about these, um, these connections and to allow, you know, social media has obviously got its fair share of terrible things about it, but, um, it is really good for finding people <laughs> um, and for Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. reconnecting to folks that you have, you know, you couldn't find otherwise you can find them through social media. And I, I think that's really kind that um, not only did, were you able to speak to them, but to, um, you know, in several situations, just to hug them and to, um, to help bring, bring about part of the healing that God was going to do in them. Thanks so much for listening to part one of my interview with Abby Campman. Make sure you look out for part two to hear all about God's faithfulness. If you love the Faithful Podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. You can find me at faithfulpodcast.podbean.com or on Instagram at faithfulpodcast. Have a great week and remember to stay faithful, friends.